All right, we're live. And today we have with us uh, Chad. He's a, a small or, or mid-sized miner. And uh, we have our host, Ethan Zerka. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome, everybody. Um, so, so Chad, I know you've been involved in the Bitcoin space for a few years now. And uh, we just really wanted to understand your perspective about the industry and about the market and what it's like to survive as a, as a small or medium-sized um, mining operation yeah yeah well thanks for having me on i've been through um i've definitely been through the gauntlet and so uh happy to share my experience for other people and uh hopefully it's hopefully some people find it useful especially i think people that are interested in getting into the crypto mining space i think it's valuable to really be thinking about some things that we can discuss so obviously the right equipment the right pricing understanding you know what you're getting into so before you do yeah. it <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, you know, professionally, what what do you do? Is is this a side job? You know, a, a hobby? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go way back to the early days, right? I was like a tinkerer, you know, messing around with radios and early GPS units and uh, the internet and com computers, Macs and PCs. You know, dating back to my childhood. But uh, I got my professional start actually quite young. I uh, was working on an AS400 for an insurance company when I was 14. Wow. So in between high school and, or junior high and high school. Yeah, in between junior high and high school. And um, that kind of kicked off my career in IT. So during, in high school, I, uh, in the summers, I worked IT jobs. And then in the evenings, I would work um, IT for Mayo Clinic. I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, so there's a Mayo Clinic out there. Uh, and obviously, you know, I was doing pretty basic stuff. I was uh, doing like printer share setups on NT4 <laughs> and whatever. But it was, you know, at the same time, you know, very few 16-year-olds are getting that kind of opportunity. And so it was very cool to be so young and being in the IT space uh, at that level. And then uh, I eventually got a full-time job uh, working at a transportation company uh, that started fairly small and grew. Then I got involved similarly in a healthcare company that was very small at the time and then grew. Uh, and then I, you know, at the same time I'd been moonlighting for other clients. And so I kicked off my company, well, one of my two companies, the company that we're not going to be talking about, which is B Structured Technology Group and MSP. So we do IT outsourcing for small to mid-sized companies in Los Angeles. So I've been doing that for 12 years. That's been my primary business, but uh, we won't talk about that anymore <laughs> than that. So that's kind of how, that's kind of my background into like though, how I knew about data centers. You know, I've been in a lot of data centers, done a lot of data center work. Uh, I knew a decent, a fair amount about power, not as much as I do today, but I mean, I, I, I'd worked on some decent sized power equipment just cause you do as you do when you're doing data center work. And, um, you know, I knew about servers and graphics processing units and all stuff just from personal use. So um, when when I found out about Bitcoin, honestly, the first time I found out about Bitcoin was probably 2013. And I was like, this is crazy. This is not going to work. I was like, I was like exactly that case. Right. I was like, I, you know, I saw some guys mining with uh, Bitmain U1s and U2s, right? The USB <laughs> miners. And yeah. I was like, this is just, this is nuts. Like, this is not going to work. I, I think you guys are all crazy. And, um, I didn't, do you, do you regret thinking they're crazy now? I mean, you know what I, you know what I regret is I regret less thinking they're crazy and I regret being less skeptical. 
right? I feel like generally speaking, I'm interested and skeptical in all sorts of stuff. So, right, like if I, you know, I I, I love like I'm I'm a Wikipedia obsessed person, right? So like if I'm like, oh, I'm this is my first time flying on the Dreamliner, the 787, right? I pull up the the Wikipedia for the Boeing 787, even though I'm not a pilot, and just like I like read the whole page. I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay. What engines are on this thing? I'm just like, I'm always inquisitive and interested about whatever it is that is going on in my life. So um, I think what I'm disappointed about is less thinking they're silly and uh, more, I didn't do what I normally do. I mean, nor my, my normal MO in life is like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, let's be inquisitive and find out about it. That doesn't mean I wouldn't have come to the conclusion, this is crazy, I'm not gonna do sure. it. But I wish I, wish I would have been inquisitive about it because when, when I heard about Ethereum, that's really where this got started for me. When I heard about Ethereum and ETH mining, uh, I was like, oh, wow, there's a second thing. What does this do? And mm -hmm. I started reading some articles about Ethereum and about Vitalik and about, you know, a Turing complete blockchain and a Turing, Turing complete computer system that's a global computer. And I was like, this is a whole other level of thing. This is really interesting to me. And then I said, but it's all tied back to this Bitcoin thing. So I right. guess I got to like do some research. So that's when I finally read the white paper and that, you know, the white paper, I think anybody that spends the time to read it and has some understanding and some time, uh, you know, for me, the, the reading came fairly easily outside of like, not necessarily understanding the math around electrical curve cryptography. Like I understand how, generally speaking, it functions, right? I'm technical enough to understand it sure. at a conceptual level. Um, so, you know, having having read the white paper, I was like, oh, wow. You know, I, then I wished, yeah, I would have read about it a couple of years before, not instead of in 2015, <laughs> having read, wish, I wish I would have read the white paper in 2013, because I probably would have done something very different, um, you know, whether it be mining and or buying it or both. But, uh, I read the white paper and then I just went on a tirade, right? I, I read, immediately read the Internet of Money Part 1 and Part 2. I read Mastering Bitcoin and then I just kind of went down the rabbit hole. Uh, Mastering Bitcoin was was really, really interesting to me. Uh, really seeing that like the system could work, right? Like understanding the system could work, understanding the roles that my, nodes and miners played, spinning up some full nodes. Um, I bought a couple just old, old S3s, not to thinking I was make, gonna make money, just, just literally to mess around with, right? To understand how they worked and things like that. Um, and built a couple of GPU rigs and was just mess. Literally, I thought this is just a fun hobby. I bought a couple of cheap S3s and some GPU rigs to mess around with. And like, I'm not gonna get that involved with it. Um, you, you were doing this in your home or in your home office? Or? I was doing it at my office. You know, it's, it's a, um, I probably shouldn't speak too loudly, but like I have, I have about 10 kilowatts here in my space and it's a full service. Wow. Lease. Um, so, and I mean, I had, when, when we were doing the build out, I had, you know, just normal it stuff. Like we're an it company. So I have a couple like 20 amp 208 volt circuits for servers and testing stuff sure. and spinning up test gear and stuff like that. So I have like 10 kilowatts in the space. And so you know, I was, that's how I was able to do this stuff, right? Is I just, it's included in my lease. Like I didn't have to, it, I'm paying for it, right? But like, I didn't have to pay extra for it, for it to mess around, right? Sure. That's a mess around, 10 kilowatts is a mess around level of power too, right? So it wasn't like I had power to scale this thing out, but that's what gave me the ability to mess around without having to worry about the costs, right? I could just like, I could spin up some stuff here at the office, not a lot, but some stuff and mess around with it which is the same thing we do with servers and other stuff too, right? That's why we have the power in the first place. So um, 
so yeah, I, I, you know, I spun up these ETH rigs and then, you know, they started making some real money. And I, of course I really regret it. Now I sold a bunch of Ethereum at like 20 bucks. Oh. Um, but, um, you know, it was real money, right? The rigs paid for themselves. I mean, I'm still running one of them. It just hangs out and runs all day, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's mining like beam, I think right now. Right. So, um, but, but yeah, like, so that's, I mean, that's kind of how I got started. And then I was, I got really interested. I got the bug, right. I was like, I really want to do something bigger. And um, this is where I started making a bunch of mistakes. So your listeners can learn from me and hopefully not make the same mistakes. And I, I feel like we're going to come into this exact same thing happening all over again. Right. I mean, the bull market had started to move again. Right. So I, I had bought some Bitcoin, right. When I met, when I read the white paper and mastering Bitcoin, mm -hmm. I bought some Ethereum. I bought some Bitcoin when it was like 380 bucks. So, uh, and I still have most, if not all of it, I didn't, I sold a little bit in 2017, but not a lot. So I've, I've held it all the way through. So I'm a whole, oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I sold, I don't know, maybe two <laughs> in January of 2017. Hey, and that's, that's still a chunk of change though. It's a chunk of change. And I mean, the rest of it I've just kept. Um, and, uh, the, the big regret is selling all that Ethereum. I mean, I had like 180 Ethereum. I sold it like 20 bucks. And I mean, hindsight's 2020 of course but like yeah um so yeah i mean the big mistake i ended up making was you know i was mining bitcoin uh and i was mining a little bit of bitcoin i was mining a little bit of ethereum and i was like okay i want to scale this out like it's profitable right and the problem was it was the beginning of the bull run right so your your profitability on a rig was essentially going up almost every day or if you averaged it out at least to the week it was going up virtually every week because people weren't able to turn on hash power faster than the value was going up essentially. And I, I didn't fully understand the market dynamics that I understand today or really understand the, the impact of the halvening events. Um, you know, I think looking at like the stock to flow model that uh, plan B's put together, I mean, I really buy into that model now, you know, I think the supply halvening and deflationary model is going to be something that's going to happen. And I think unfortunately, unfortunately for Bitcoin, Bitcoin, I think over the next, probably decade or two, we're going to have these boom bust cycles. I'm anticipating another boom bust cycle post happening, probably in mid to late 2021, which kind of one of the reasons I wanted to get on the podcast was to partially be a warning bell for people that like, hey, when people are selling S17s for $6,000 and they look really profitable <laughs> because Bitcoin's price is 50 grand and, yeah. and Bitmain can't keep up anymore again, right? Right now, we, you and I, we all know that we're yeah. in a, we're in a spot where hardware's not moving, Bitmain can't move their stuff, like hash rate's not growing that fast because price is declining. So it's not that profitable. You can still make money mining right now, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to be really careful. You have to buy the best hardware and put it in the cheapest possible hosting facility you can get your hands on, which is going to be directly correlated to your scale, right? Like at at 100 kilowatts, you're going to be at like eight cents probably, right? Seven mm -hmm. and a half cents. At a megawatt, you might be able to get down to six. Right. At five megawatts, you might be able to get down to five and a half, you, you know, depending. Right. And so your level of investment is going to be directly correlated to how profitable you can be. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the word of warning, I think, is we're, we're going to have another cycle, I, I believe. You know, this may not mm -hmm. happen, but I believe we're going to have another cycle. And I think the smart money is going to dump their dump their gear, which is essentially what happened to me the first time around. Right. Like I bought the gear that was getting dumped. Right. Like, I bought 
the S7s and the S9s and the Dragonman T1s when they were super expensive. And, you know, I bought the D3s. I bought, I bought all the stuff that you could spend way too much money on. I bought yeah. it all. Like, I bought every single piece of it. And, sounds sounds like a very familiar story. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, I and I feel like it's a story that's not told a lot, which is why, you know, I, I, I thought on your podcast, I thought I could be an interesting and different guest because I know you're going to have a lot of tool makers and you're going to have people selling miners and you're going to have all sorts of stuff. And that's all great. I'm not anti-mining, obviously, because I'm mining, but I... You know, I, I wanted to be kind of a word of caution. <laughs> like, I lost more money uh, 2017 to now than I have like ever lost on a business venture before in my yeah, life. I mean, that's that's an important warning because if Bitcoin does start taking off and it's getting close to fifteen thousand and and it's holding, people are going to start thinking, "Oh man, you know, maybe I should have gotten into mining." And yeah, uh, but yeah, what happens about. when the price of Bitcoin goes up? Yeah, well, the price of miners go back goes back up, right? That's right. That's yeah. right, and they start to move too, really fast. So yeah, I mean, I see, I, I see this playing probably playing out all over again, and you know, that's that's where I think, you know, I, I, interestingly enough, I think if people are interested in mining right now, is actually a fantastic time to get in the game, yeah. right? Like right now, yeah, there right is, now is in December two thousand nineteen. If you're watching this video in March, yes. maybe that might yeah. not be the case. <laughs> it might not be the case, even even starting not, not that long from now. You know, I think obviously the halvening is right now targeted at May 15th, 2020. It'll probably move a few days, but, uh, you know, it's going to happen probably sometime in mid-May. And I think I think we're going to start to see the needle move. You know, last time we saw the needle start to move a little bit before the halvening and, I, and then it just kept moving through it, like for an extended period of time. You know, if you look at the stock to flow model that Plan B put together, you'd anticipate the price to just spike at the halvening. But we know just human nature, market dynamics, that's not going to happen, mm -hmm. right? There's going to be other stuff. There's going to be psychology that's going to cause that to take some time. Uh, last time it took about 18 months. Maybe it'll take even longer, a little bit longer this time around. But assuming that the, those same dynamics occur again, I think you're going to be in the same position where you're going to see really expensive equipment that's going to look super cash flow positive. But uh, if it happens exactly on the same timeline, December 2019, we hit this all time. I'm sorry, December 2021, we hit this all time high. Uh, miners are at an all time high cost. Power's yeah. at an all time high cost. Everything's everything's crazy, but you can still make money. You can make money at 18 cents a kilowatt hour on a $6,000 S17, and it looks amazing, except it's all <laughs> going to fall out underneath you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's kind of what I expect expect is going to happen so you know on the flip side like if you're really interested in this now is a great time mm -hmm. you can pick up inexpensive s17es t17es you can put them in sub eight cent maybe even if you're at scale sub seven or sub six cent power facilities talk to scott you know he'll hook you up and um you know run them but i think i think the other thing that i would say is a word of warning and, and this is what i think would be an interesting conversation i'd love i'd love your guys take on it is I really question at least this at least after this happening especially, but looking at like what Bitmain and Peter Thiel are doing, I think fewer and fewer miners are going to be able to operate uh, their miners by selling Bitcoin for their operational expenses. I think people are going to be using other cash flows to run their operational expenses mm -hmm. and just accumulate Bitcoin. Yeah. And if that if that occurs, which I think it's already occurring, but I think it's going to occur more. I think it's going to be really hard for small to mid-sized miners like myself that rely on the ability to sell Bitcoin for operational expenses to be profitable. And I wanted your guys take on, do you think that 
do you, do you see that happening in the market? Like I've seen a little bit of it, you know, do you, and what do you think the impact on small to mid-sized miners is going to be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think there, there's two different ways that, that we can look at this. You know, there, there's the people that have to sell their crypto in order to just even keep them running because they have to pay their hosting bill. Then there's the other people that might have another company or two that they own and they want to offset some of their revenue or, or profit by sinking some U.S. dollars into electricity costs, right? Yep. Um, so it could be advantageous for, for some people, but it's a different story for everybody. What do you think, Ethan? Well, before I give my um, my comment on this, I'd first like to thank our sponsor, Nova Block. Uh, Nova Block is a mining pool that got established here in North America in August of this year. And in four short months, they've managed to make it within the top 15 of the public pools in the world. Um, they're fundamentally uh, thinking about you know, how the hash rate needs to decentralize. It needs to move away from China. And they're great supporters of that. They want to give increased transparency to their users and help educate their users on what the best pools are to use. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, uh, you know, my thought is, is supply and demand. So from what I'm hearing from you, Chad, is that, um, you know, in the future, the people that are mining Bitcoin, they're not going to be readily selling it into the market. And, you know, my thinking is, wouldn't that then lower the supply, mm -hmm. you know, to the demand? And in turn, wouldn't that actually benefit you as a smaller miner? Because, you know, you're you're still, you know, having to cover your expenses every month. So you have to pay these bills. But because, you know, the larger mining operations, they're just holding everything. So their supply isn't on the market and it's your supply that's now available on the market. So wouldn't the prices be higher now for the coins that you mine? I mean, that's that's an interesting take is is it, it could it could restrict artificially maybe is the wrong word but you know what i'm saying like it could restrict yeah. the supply more than the original white paper's intention right like the new happening is supposed to be 6.25 bitcoin per block if those aren't if if some fraction or some of those aren't being sold uh then supply is actually even stricter i see what you're saying supply is even tighter than it really even appears to be because those sure. coins are just being held um i mean I would say we have yet to see that. I mean, I don't know. You know, we saw we saw a run up to 13 and a half this summer and we've seen it yeah. decline back down to 6.7K. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think it remains. One of the things that I think is hard about about the whole market is the volatility of Bitcoin makes it very difficult to operate when you have to sell for OPEX, right? Like. In this summer, we were sitting pretty, right? Hash rate was at mm -hmm. 70 exahash and we were, and prices were 13 grand. Like we could sell everything and do really well. Now at 100 exahash or 110 exahash or whatever it's at right now, and 6,700 bucks, you know, even, you know, only our best equipment is really making decent money, even though we're at a decent power rate. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's still, it's still challenging, you know, because I would say I would say at the very least, if you're a small miner, you know, I think you really have to be prepared when you're thinking about it. Let's say let's say you're like, OK, I want to invest two hundred thousand dollars. You know, I'm a small time miner. I want to invest two hundred yeah. grand in mining equipment and and hosting. I really think what what I did wrong and I think what what 
needs to what somebody should do if they're thinking about doing this is look at the electrical costs and say your electrical costs for six months are going to be fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars take 150 for gear and 50 for electrical costs because you need the ability to sell at opportune times right so you mm-hmm. need to be able to play with the peter thiels and bitmains of the world without necessarily being able to permanently run off of not being it not selling bitcoin for opex so for example for us like had had i been more intelligent at the start and set aside more cash rather than just buying it all of just spending all of it on equipment because i thought it was always all going to be cash flow positive mm-hmm. um, i should have had a bigger reserve fund for electricity so that when there were declines like there are right now like i want to hold it all i don't want to spend i don't want to sell any of it yeah. Yeah, like t- today, if you were with a hosting company and and you had to pay your electric bill, um, you know, at the middle of the month or at the end of the month, for example, today would be a horrible day to have to do that. Horrible. I know because I paid my electric bill today at the hosting company. <laughs> now, some hosting companies are flexible and and they will give you a, a little bit of grace period because they know, that, you know, hey, if they want to keep you on long term, then you know it, everybody needs to be profitable, but. Um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Chad, about that. Um, yeah. And what, one thing I want to ask you specifically is, you know, I, how do you do mining? Uh, what does your setup look like right now? It, it sounds like maybe you're you're doing, uh, you've you're paying somebody to host your miners for you. Yeah. Am I, am I allowed to name names on here? Name company names, or is that restricting? <laughs> okay, sir. So I'm I'm yeah. mining with Frontier Mining. Uh, I've okay. known I've known uh, the guys over there for quite some time. Uh, I won't name them individually just in case they don't want to be named, but you can, you can look them up online and give them a call. They're great guys. Um, you know, I, I also don't want to mention my power rate because like, that's always a thing, you know, you got, you got to call them and negotiate with them if you want to host with them. But I've had a good experience with them. Like you said, they've been fairly flexible with, me. I shouldn't even say fairly, they've been very flexible with me. So for example, um, you know, because we are s- selling Bitcoin to, for our operational expenses, I was very frank with them. I said, Hey guys, like all of our old gen stuff is underwater. We're, we're going to be in trouble. Right. So they worked with me. Um, luckily I had some new stuff coming in already. So we were able to move enough load around to keep the load fairly static while getting rid of all of our old gen stuff. Right. So all of our old gen oh, stuff wow. are turned off now. So like, so it's turned off. What what has your experience been like trying to uh, get rid of that old gear or sell it to to have more money to buy new gear? And- well, I think you know. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> well, unfortunately, I know. <laughs> unfortunately, right now, and you know, I've talked to Frontier as well. They have a lot of, uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I think I can say this without, you know, they they have a lot of people that unfortunately have defaulted on them, right? They have a lot of old gen equipment that is just sitting around, like because people just abandoned it. Right. They said, oh, it's underwater. I'm just going to go bankrupt and like take my gear. I don't care because it's not worth anything. So, um, you know, it's tough. You know, I've been I mean, I've been trying to lower the prices on some of the old gen stuff I have over and over and over again. And, um, you know, the question the question with all of it becomes, do you wait for the price to rise and sell it? And here I am, you know, wanting to sell some of this old gen gear, whereas I don't, you know, I understand why people aren't buying it for one. And for two, if you're out there listening and like saying like, oh, wow, I can pick up some S9s for 70 bucks. There's a reason they're 70 bucks. Like 
you're probably not going to get 70 bucks out of them <laughs> unless you have like two cent power. Right. So, um, you know, yeah, at that point, really, it's it's just a game of, you know, some people might think it's capitulation, but it, it's really just um, the old gear is getting purchased by people that have cheaper power or being sent to countries that have uh, lower lower power. Iran. <laughs> North North Korea. Tur Turkey. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it is it's interesting. It's it's been a big challenge to unload the equipment, unfortunately. And uh that's put some that's put some strain on us for sure. And so, you know, un unfortunately we're probably gonna have to unload some some next gen equipment too, just to just to keep uh everything above board, you know. And again, again it all comes down to timing, you know. I don't want to sell everything we've mined, you know, and cause then what was the point, right? There's a whole lot of work for no, right. for no benefit. So at that point, it's just a hobby <laughs> at that point. It's just a hobby. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough and very, very competitive market. And I, I think people should understand that. And like, you know, I'm in it and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm seriously considering closing up shop sometime between 2020 and 2021. Like I just, I don't know that I'm optimistic and I really believe that there's going to be another run up in price, which is going to put me in a position to uh, both sell some Bitcoin at an opportune price and sell equipment at an opportune price and have an exit. Um, you know, unfortunately, like if you look at the whole of, of Perforo, which is the name of my mining company, like it's not, I, it's not unlikely that it's going to make money, you know, unless I hang on to a few Bitcoin and it goes to a million dollars in five years, you know, it's unlikely that, that it's going to be profitable, unfortunately. And, you know, I just think it's, for me, it's been a larger amount of work than I expected, even hosting with other people and not profitable enough. And it's been a distraction from my primary business. So, you know, sure. I think, I, I think long-term I'm looking, I'm looking to exit um, but you know, now's just not the right moment to exit. So I'm hoping there's a, a more opportune moment to exit, you know, in 2020 or 2021 when the equipment has better value. Uh, but you know, I just think, I think it's a good thing. Like I'm really, I'm still really optimistic and excited about Bitcoin, but I think the maturity around the landscape, like I've been, I've been extremely surprised if, if you would have told me in 2015, you're going to see industrial scale mining. Yeah by serious people, you know, I know I've invoked his name a million times, but, but like the Bitmains and Peter Thiels of the world, like, and I know there's, there, I know there's others, right? P you know, there's that big Canadian, you know, one in Quebec or whatever, that's like 40 or 50 megawatts. And, you know, I've, I've seen the news articles coming out on the facilities and I've, yeah. I, I would have said in four years, we're going to see 50 megawatt facility. Like, no way. Like yeah. you're not going to see. And then I was completely wrong. Right. There's hundred megawatt facility. I'm just, I've been blown away at the pace at which the scale has changed. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's going to make it very hard for small time miners. Cause there's those, the people that are building out facilities like that have no middleman and there's not room for a middleman. Right. The the mining, the yeah. small time miner hosting companies like like Frontier, not to bag on them because they've been great to me and they've been great people to work with. And I I wish them all the best and I hope they do have success. And they are doing some decent sized implementations. You know, there's people dropping one to five megawatts with them. I know that. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be hard for people that have a middleman. You know, I think the people that can afford to buy a building 
go direct to the power company and get power mm -hmm. for four and a half cents. It is possible. I know it's possible from what I've learned about the industry. Yeah. I think it's possible to get less than that in certain places, yeah. right? Um, you can't get that if you're going through somebody else. You can't, you just can't compete. So mm -hmm. even if somebody like a Bitmain or, you know, whoever is selling Bitcoin for operational expenses, their operational expenses are still so much lower than yours. You can't really be competitive. So, and then when you take into account that a lot of the mining is occurring in China um, and other countries that have not, not just lower power costs, but lower labor costs, you know, I quite, I even question the fact tariff. lower, lower everything. Like I, I really even question, well, and, and also, to, you know, the, the miners are being made in China and yeah, so they're right. one of the yeah. first people to get them online and hooked up in hashing too. They're getting the very first ones, exactly, and that's super critical because you know I've 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 described a miner to people like um, uh, like a wet rag, like <laughs> you know you squeeze you know like an S seventeen plus right if you get one right when it lands the first one right in America you get the first one in America right it's going to be a really wet rag right you just right. you squeeze it the tiniest bit and like water just starts coming out right like but. The, the longer you go, you know, you, we've all squeezed a wet rag, right? Like the, yeah. you have to squeeze harder and harder and harder and less and less comes out until there's just no, no amount of squeezing that's going to get anything out of it, right? I, and, I like that analogy. I'm, I'm going to use that if you don't mind. So, so you know, time, like you're mentioning, time is of the essence because if they get S17 pluses on a month before they even ship any to America, it doesn't matter. Like the actual it's actually it's a little bit more ethereal than that right because the model is actually the wet rag so that s17 plus has already been squeezed some yeah. <laughs> and now they're shipping it to america and it's already been squeezed a little bit essentially i mean it's a new product but you know, you get what i'm saying right yeah. it's like their their ability to turn those things on and use them first gives them this competitive advantage that is hard to compete with plus mm -hmm. labor costs plus tariff costs and taxes and all the other stuff plus lower power costs you know, I really question even the guys that are making gigantic investments in the U.S. and Canada. As much as I'd like to see you at the U.S. be a leader in mining, because I think the centralization of Bitcoin mining in these other countries is not great for the ecosystem. It'd be better if it was decentralized across the globe for the same reason that we're not making AirPods in America. You know, we're, we're not going to be making miners in here either, I don't think. And I think I think long term a lot of these mining facilities are going to struggle even to compete, even the ones that aren't having, that are running their operational expenses directly. I think they're going to be like, let's just sell the building and move all this stuff to China. Right. Like they, the guys that can afford to do that, right. Like, like the guys yeah. that are really rich and can afford to do that. Why would they not long-term eventually realize that and do that and say, Oh wow, I can get, I can get three and a half cent power in Turkey and buy a building and build something out there and the government's supportive of me because I'm hiring a bunch of their people. So like, and I'm doing a big enough deal, I can talk to the government. Like, Right. Yeah, yeah. So what we're hearing from uh, people is that, you know, that there are Chinese uh, mining companies that are looking to move into the United States. Uh, yeah. Partly, for example, because every, it seems like every second month, uh, Bitcoin, China is either banning Bitcoin or they're unbanning it or, right. you know, they're, they're speaking something positive about it. And that, so it's, it's, it's volatile from that standpoint. So yeah, the, I think, um, you know, they, they might be thinking some of these same things that we're thinking, but just the opposite here. Sure. No, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about for sure.
Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. I mean, I don't think any of us have a crystal ball. I mean, um, I, I think what's been surprising again for me is the scale, the, the, the pace of industrialization of the mining is like yeah. what's been mind blowing to me. And that, that I think is what's hard for a small scale miner to compete with. And I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, I, I think you can still, you certainly can still do it today, right? You can pick up some S 17 or better miners, put them in a modestly priced facility, even something as high as eight cents and still be cash flow positive, right? Like, so you can do it even though mm -hmm. Bitcoin's price sucks and difficulty is really high. You can still do it today. The question is, will that miner ever pay for itself if yeah. you're selling if mm -hmm. you're selling the Bitcoin uh, for operational expenses? And that's going to rely entirely on how fast difficulty goes up and how fast price goes up. And that, that remains to be seen, right? I mean, we've we've seen the opposite happen over, since 2017, right? We've seen difficulty go up while price declines. And yeah, that was bizarre. I still don't understand that. I mean, that, a whole other thing that surprised me just talking about the actual equipment was one of the reasons I, I invested in a bunch of InnoSilicone and Dragon Mint stuff was, you know, seven nanometer stuff is like the latest, greatest stuff out there, right? That's stuff that Intel and AMD and NVIDIA are working on. Mm -hmm. I did not think anybody was going to come out with the seven nanometer miner right. before this. <laughs> I just didn't think it was going to happen. I'm like, I just yeah. bought the latest AMD graphics card just to mess around with like the 5,700 XT and it's a seven nanometer card. I'm like, sure. it just came out 60 days ago. Like there's been S 17s out for whatever, like and there are seven. I just can't believe that that industry was ahead of the GPU industry. <laughs> I, I did not expect that in a second. Right. I was like, I, so when, when the 10 nanometer stuff came out, I was like, Oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be the ticket for at least four years. Like mm -hmm. I know Intel, AMD, AMD, and NVIDIA are going to come out with say, seven nanometer stuff, but Bitmain's not going to be able to do that for like at least two, three, or four years, right? That's yeah. And I was wrong. Like I was, I was straight <laughs> yeah. up wrong. So now I'm like, are they going to get the first five nanometer stuff? Like we all know that Intel and AMD and NVIDIA are all working on five nanometers, and we mm -hmm. all know that somewhere between three and five nanometers is going to be the minimum, right? We know Moore's law is going to break, but like, mm -hmm. is are they going to be the first? Like they were basically it looks like it's a distinct market. possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like that blew me away. And I was so wrong about that. You know, had I been again, you know, not the pace has just been mind boggling to me. Cause again, had I known that Bitmain was going to come out with seven nanometer stuff, I wouldn't have bought any 10 nanometer stuff. I was totally not expecting that. Right. I was expecting them to come out with maybe a little bit better 10 nanometer stuff. I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting them to just leapfrog 10 nanometers. That sh just totally shocked me. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. So um, we're gonna we're coming to the end here. But uh, any last um, advice or or warnings that you have? You know, because I know this this episode has been all about that. Um, yeah, what what do you have to say to um, the audience? Um, you know, I think I think look, and you know, it's it's a summarization of what I've already said. But like um, now, if you're interested in mining, now is actually a great time to get in the game, in my opinion. I agree. Um, 18 months or 24 months from now is probably a terrible time. So if you're listening to this podcast and we have a new all-time high and that's what's gotten you interested in Bitcoin in two years from you're now. too late. You're, this is not a good situation, right? You're yeah. in the situation I was in. Learn from me. 
Don't buy overpriced equipment. Don't put it in overpriced facilities. Don't lose your shorts, right? Wait, there probably will be another opportunity. There's going to be the S19 or whatever the hell it is. And when there's going to be another bear market and you'll have an opportunity to pick up some of that vacant hosting the hosting space at low cost and be patient. But if you're looking to get in the game now, I think now actually is a good time. Look for good values on the best equipment out there. I wouldn't buy anything under an S17. You know, I buy S17 or S17E or S17 Plus, in my personal opinion, or S17 Pro. Um, you know, I'd put it in the best possible price facility you can afford. And I'd make sure to have probably in addition to the amount you're going to spend on miners, probably six months of your electrical costs in yeah. reserve so that you can manage when you have to sell your Bitcoin. So you're not forced, your hand isn't forced to sell when you don't want to. And, and don't sign a five-year contract, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, signing a 12-month contract is already a pretty big commitment. You know, I think you're probably pretty safe if you sign a 12-month contract and you have six months in reserve. I would mm -hmm. say you're probably yeah. safe enough. But, you know, you know, it is, it's a risky and volatile game. And you you should have reserves available to be able to manage that risk and volatility. Uh, and that was a big error I made because I wanted to buy the most hardware I could because it all looked really cash flow positive. And even today, like I said, it's cash flow positive right now. Uh, so I'd say if you want to get in the game, you know, great. Look at your budget and figure out what that balance is between having three, six, nine months of reserve cash plus your equipment. That's a really good spot to be in, I think, to be able to mine effectively and potentially make money. You don't know for sure if you're going to make money because we don't know what Bitcoin's price is going to be. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's a good position to be in. My word of warning is if you're, you know, w when, if and when, and I hope that there's a bull run, and I do think there will be one, um, you know, the price of hardware is going to go up, hosting space is going to evaporate, hosting prices are going to go through the roof. And I think even if you have a ton of money, you don't want to lose it. Like, don't, that is not the time to start mining, you know, wait, wait. And there's opportunity, there's opportunity in waiting, you know, like there was an opportunity to pick up $600 Dragon Mint T1s in, you know, 2018 and you would have made money, right? Yeah. You, you would have done well. And so there was opportunity to pick up stuff at a third the price of it of its new cost just 12 months prior. And so there may be a, an opportunity to buy used S17s in a couple of years and, you know, Get, squeeze the last bit of life out of them in cheap facilities, you know, even and, though the S-19 happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so, Chad, you know, I, uh, thank you for your time. Yeah. And um, yeah. Where, where can we find you online? Uh, well, I'm, I'm at Chattel2 at pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff. I, The handle is so silly, but like I literally it was my, like I've been in Still going all full circle all the way back to the beginning of the podcast. Like I've been in IT so long, like I had an AOL account, right? right. So like probably you guys did too. And so my AOL handle was Chattel too, because I couldn't get Chattel. And I just kept like I just kept using it over yeah. and over and over. So it literally <laughs> dates all the way back to like an AOL CD ROM. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and we'll, yeah, we'll see you online. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Take Thank care. Goodbye. This episode was sponsored by NovaBlock Mining Pool, and you can try their uh, pool out. You can sign up on the top right of their website, sign up, and you can apply the coupon code, the invitation code, OFFERED18, O-F-F-O-R-D, 18, 
for a permanent reduction in your mining fees down to 1.8%. So give that a shot right now and uh, reach out to Vincent, vincent.v at novablock.com.